54th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting app or platform you are listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, going to have a first-time guest on, a special guest, Michael Consacio. He's a big basketball fan. He's been talking to me nonstop, but I got to get on the shop. I got to get on this show. So I'm like, let's do it. He's a basketball historian. He did some play-by-play, a huge historian, huge NBA fan. So I thought this would be really great to talk about the life and times of Kobe Bryant, who uh, this is the one-year anniversary of his passing. So I definitely wanted to uh, talk about Kobe and dedicate this whole podcast to Kobe because Kobe is my favorite athlete of all time. He's a guy that's been an inspiration to me. So me and Michael delve into Kobe. We talk about some of Michael's stories with uh, Kobe's father, Jellybean Bryant, because uh, he got to talk to him a couple times. Also talk about Kobe, what he saw of Kobe as a high schooler, right? We're talking about Kobe, early 2000 Lakers, Kobe, Shaq, uh, the kind of the dark stretch of Kobe's career where he's not winning from that 05 to 07 mark, 08 to 010 when he's running, winning rings with Pau Gasol to kind of the end where, you know, they get swept by Dallas. Because I think with Kobe, you have to talk about the good and the bad and all the in-between because that's just uh, well, what Kobe was. Uh, Kobe was an icon, and Kobe inspired us all. So me and Michael have a great conversation about that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop you here right now. This is your first time listening to the podcast. I want to thank you. But what I'm going to need you to do is follow and subscribe right now. I uh, want to continue to keep this thing growing. Uh, if you have friends that love content about the NBA, the NFL, and college football, this is the place for them. So share this podcast on all your platforms, all your social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, uh, Facebook. If you have Facebook groups, post this podcast in your Facebook groups. If you're on Reddit, post this podcast on Reddit. Share it with everyone, friends, family, co-workers, uh, because we're trying to keep this thing growing, and we are putting out a lot of great content Three days a week about the NBA, NFL, and college football. And also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lane. Just type that in, you will find it. I have my syndicate podcast, Outside the Shop, which is about 10 to 15 minutes I do every day. Also, I have clips and bits of this very podcast that I post on there as well. So a lot of good content I'm putting on my YouTube channel. And also, leave a five-star review on iTunes, and Apple Podcast, and for some odd reason, if you don't like my podcast, it's like, how the hell could that happen? Then take a page from what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And without ado, kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Michael on the show. Kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports talking with a very special guest, a first-time guest, Michael Consacio. 
uh, big basketball fan, big basketball guy. Uh, he's going to share some NBA stories. Also, we're going to delve into kind of the life and times of Kobe Bryant as today is uh, the one-year anniversary of his passing. So how are you doing, Michael? How does it finally feel to be on the show? <laughs> well, uh, uh, thanks for having me, Dale. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I, I, I am doing great. Everything is going well. So first, what I want to ask you is this. Let's start with this, because you said you had a personal story uh, about Kobe's father, uh, Jellybean Bryant, who was a professional basketball player, and he played in Italy, and kind of kind of shaped who Kobe was. So first, I just want you to kind of tell that story about your interaction with him. Okay. Well, basically, uh, I happen to be a color commentator for... Uh, what they have down here in uh, Massachusetts called uh, the UMass Dowler, uh basketball team. And uh, I was the color commentator. And then shortly after the season ended, uh, I was informed that there would be a professional basketball team coming to uh, New Bedford, Mass. And the name of the team would be called the Boston Frenzy. And uh, I was like, wow, that's interesting, man. You know, small city like here in, in New Bedford, uh, they were going to have a, a professional team come and play called the Boston Frenzy. So anyway, um, there was a, a place called the New Bedford Boys and Girls Club out here. And they had asked me, uh, well, that Boston Frenzy team was having a trial. And <clears throat> they asked me if um, I could officiate, because I'm a referee also, if I could officiate the, you know, the scrimmage as the players were trying to, you know, try and make the team. And, uh, I don't know, about 15 minutes into the scrimmage, uh, Kobe Bryant's father walks in the gymnasium and, uh, we find out that he's the coach. He's actually coaching the, uh, Boston frenzy. So we got a chance to, you know, meet him that day. And of course it was like, I don't know, man. It was like, uh, like almost like a fantasy because I'm an old time uh, Dr. J fan, and uh, Kobe's dad played with Philadelphia 76ers as well as the Clippers. And then just to see him, you know, out here in New Bedford, and he's uh, coaching the Boston Frenzy, and you know, me being the color commentator, you know, I would get a chance to, to speak with him on on many occasions, and um, it was interesting too because on that team. I don't know if you're familiar with the N1 uh, basketball players that played out of New York City. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Herman Calicopter was on that team. Another guy by the name of Spider, and, and uh, which was another unusual name, was Moses Malone's son was also on that team. Uh, but yeah, Kobe, uh, definitely, Kobe's father definitely was the coach. And he was very, which is a little bit unique and a little different than uh, Kobe. Joe was very, uh, at, at that point, he was very personable, had a great personality. He had, um, um, he always made people laugh, but he was a really, uh, very good coach. And matter of fact, towards the end of the season, uh, the team had some injuries, and uh, he suited up. He was over 50 years old. Uh, the last two games of the season before the team folded, he suited up. He was over 50 years old, and he still performed at a high level. I can't give exactly how many points he got, but I know for a fact it was over 35 in each of one of the games that he played in. And uh, you get to, you got to see a little little old tricks of the trade. Uh, he was always known as a you know a leaping. That's what they call him, jumping Joe. He was always known as a leaper, but obviously at the age of 50, he didn't have all the uh, 
had a lot of shoes than he had, you know, back in the day. But uh, he still knew the game, and uh, the players loved him. The, uh, you know, his assistant coach loved him, and uh, I mean, he got along greatly with with the team and with us, uh, the radio station. And I um, mean, he was he was a joy to be around. What a, what a, what a great person he was. So that was that was a good privilege to uh, to be able to uh, you know have a lot of conversations with him. Uh, we spoke a little bit about Kobe, but not too much because at that time they weren't really talking. At that time, this was uh, 2004, 2005. Well, they still were not really talking that much at that particular time. So uh, Kobe didn't come up too much in conversation, to be honest with you. So what were, can you just explain a little bit what those conversations about Kobe, if there was anything he kind of ever mentioned? Well, to, to be honest with you, um, when we had those conversations, I didn't really bring up Kobe. I didn't. Uh, but my, uh, the, uh, the person who worked at the radio station, he brought up Kobe. And uh, you could tell that, you know, he was really, I won't say defensive, but he was just like really... Really didn't want to speak on it, but you could tell that, you know, uh, he was hurt. He, he was hurt because, as a matter of fact, at that time, I don't know if you recall, there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff in in, in uh, the publicity that was going on about, you know, uh, the dealings with uh, him and his son, uh, them not talking to each other, and uh, it, it, it was it was it was it was out there. You know what I mean? And he kind of wanted to keep it more so to himself. And like he didn't break up any details, you know what I mean? Because that, you know, he kept that more, you know, within the family itself. But uh, you could tell that he was hurt, um, and he, he really didn't speak. I mean, thoroughly on it, but you could tell that, you know, it's something that you know he was really upset with. I mean, that's his son, so you know, uh, it's it's a tough feeling, you know, as a parent. So. Uh, he didn't really speak on it too much, to be honest with you. Yeah, and after there was a time where uh, Kobe and his parents were not talking. But I do want to go to this. So let's go to when Kobe's in high school as all this is kind of happening. Did you hear about him? Uh, yes, matter of fact, because uh, I am I am a basketball fanatic. Um, but I did hear about, you know, there was some kid coming out of Philadelphia, uh, Lower uh, Marion High School, and that, uh, you know, he was exceptional. And uh, when when he uh, declared that he was going to go into the uh, the uh, NBA draft, uh, you know I was on it. I knew about it. Um, I also saw him at the McDonald's All Star Game, so I got to to witness him the dunk contest. And you just knew he was going to be special. I mean, he had that special quality about him, and which we'll talk about a little bit <clears throat> further. But um, yeah, you could tell he had all the talent in the world. Like then he had all the confidence. He had the swag. Uh, he had it all. I mean, he was a very confident young man at, at that time. Now, when you say you could tell that he kind of had that aura, he had that mystique about him, what was it specifically? Because when you're watching kids in high school, you don't know what they're going to end up being like. When you're watching them, you can think, okay, this kid can be a nice pro. Like, you know, maybe this kid can be a decent college, Division One college player. Maybe this guy can make a couple all-stars, all-star teams. Like, when you saw him, were you like, this guy is going to be a guy that's going to win MVPs in this league in the NBA one day. Like, what were your thoughts when you saw Kobe play? And I, uh, I mean, I, mean, I, got, I got to keep it 100% with you. I didn't think that far ahead, but I knew he had, because, you know, at that time, the people who were leaving uh, high school to go into the NBA, 
they were big men. They weren't six six. So they were, you know, going after the big bigger players, the post up players. They weren't really going after the, the twos and the threes at that point. So I didn't really think that, you know, that far ahead. But one thing I could tell you is that even at that young age you could tell he took the game uh, very serious. I remember the game. I remember. The, I mean, he hardly ever smiled. You know what I mean? He just had that. I'm. I'm gonna say arrogance. He had the arrogance, and and the confidence at that early age. Now you say you know, a lot of young kids. You know, you're, you're not sure, but there was something in him that you could tell that he had that that. I'm not gonna say that Mamba quality at that time, but he had that aura about him where you just knew that. He was going to put the work and the effort in, and he wasn't going to be denied. So when he decides, he declares, when he decides to come out, uh, yes. he gets drafted by the Lakers. Obviously, they make the trade with the Hornets. Uh, they trade Veladi Divac, and I think they might have traded somebody else. That's correct. Uh, they got Kobe at pick number 13. So at this point, what are you thinking for Kobe? You're like, okay, I've seen this guy play a couple times in high school. Obviously, he's highly touted. He was the number one high school kid in the nation, obviously, in that draft class. Allen Iverson went number one. Uh, Steve Nash went later after all those guys. And uh, Ray Allen, I think, might have went ahead of Kobe as well. So when you're kind of seeing all this in real time with this draft, what are you thinking Kobe's going to be when you're thinking about this draft and all these other guys? Because okay. that 96 draft was loaded, by the way. You know what, I, what I, my first thought was? What? Charlotte was getting the best of this deal. Absolutely. My first, my first thing was like, Lonnie Divac, at that point, I was like, what are they doing? And then I said, hmm. But then again, uh, you got to know who was the man uh, for the Lakers. Jerry West. Jerry West. Jerry, Jerry West was the man. So, I mean, obviously he knew and saw something that a lot of people didn't see. And uh, he, he was uh, determined to get Kobe. And... Uh, you know, at the beginning of Kobe's uh, rookie season, you could tell that, you know, he he was raw. He had the confidence, but he was raw. I mean, you know, you're going from high school, totally dominating. Now you're going to step up right through uh, college and go right to the NBA where you're going against men. Uh, you know I mean? You're coming in with that swag. And, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, NBA ballplayers uh, – don't particularly take uh, hot to that, and they they're gonna come at you. And a lot of players came at Kobe, but um, he withstood it. And as I said before, he was determined to 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 be someone special. So coming into that draft, right? AI was obviously the guy people were talking about. Did you ever think that Kobe would be better than AI? Because what were your opinions of AI coming out? I thought AI. Um, was phenomenal. I thought that uh, AI, well, I think that uh, Coach Thompson uh, basically <laughs> saved his career and that I, I thought uh, AI would be a, a, a great guard. I thought he would be someone who would be uh, tremendous uh, in time. I didn't expect him to be that good that quick because especially uh, being a point guard or a guard in the NBA, there's a, a, a level of adjustment that you have to, to, to obtain in order to be successful. And coming in again, uh, at least AI had some college experience, whereby 
Kobe had no college experience. He went right from high school right to the pros. So um, I, I anticipated that uh, he, he got the, the proper preparation from Coach Thompson at Georgetown and, and you know, playing against him in the Big East at the time, uh, that, you know, he was more suitable to that type of talent. Whereby Kobe playing against high school kids, now you're going against grown men. So it was a little bit more of an adjustment to make. But uh, uh, AI was definitely more uh, expected to be uh, better than Kobe at that time, without question. How different do you think Kobe's career changes if, let's say, he's not drafted by the Lakers? You know something? You read my mind because I put that out there. I put that out there. If he stood with Charlotte, how would his career have ended? Would it be the same fairy tale career he had with the Lakers? And my answer is, first of all, uh, Charlotte was a, a small market um, at that time. Uh, they didn't really have a, a big fan base. And uh, I think he would have been a very good player. He probably would have been one of them guys who put up good numbers. Uh, but I don't think it would have had the same effect. Now you're going, it's same thing with Magic. You know, you go to the, you go to play in L.A. under the lights. I mean, storied franchise, uh, all the, the the championships, uh, all the bangers on the walls. It's a, it's a totally different environment. You know, celebrities are there. I mean, it's, it's just a whole different atmosphere. And I think that he would have been one of the players, you know, put a lot of great numbers. I think he might have been like a Charles Barkley type. You know, he put up great numbers, been a phenomenal player. Um, he probably would have averaged a lot more points. Uh, but I think that as far as the team's concept, I don't think they would have went uh, very far. So he he have been one of them guys, you know, a great player who really didn't do much uh, team-wise. But then going to the Lakers, we all know what happened after that. Yeah, so speaking of that, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to kind of, kind of delve into what happened with Kobe once he got drafted by the Lakers. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. And we still have Michael with us as we delve into the life and times of Kobe Bryant. So before you're kind of talking about what would have happened if Kobe went to the Hornets, right? Maybe he's a player that is getting 20 to 25 points, but he's not having the winning success that we all know Kobe would eventually have. But uh, that doesn't happen. He gets drafted by the Lakers, Jerry West, uh, the Buss family, right? Dr. Buss, the greatest owner in the NBA at the time, right? You have the greatest executive in Jerry West. You have Shaquille O'Neal, who's the best player in the league. And Kobe comes into that, which is a great scenario to come into. Uh, they lose to Utah a couple times to John Stockton and Carl Malone. Kobe has the air balls. Uh, not getting a lot of playing time. He's not a starter. Uh, he's coming off the bench. At this point in time in Kobe's career, where are you at with Kobe? You know... Again, as, as you know, I, I had alluded to at the beginning of, of the broadcast that he had the arrogance, he had the confidence, and you knew. Well, I mean, I didn't know at exactly at that time, 
you kind of understood that, you know, like, like for example, you said the air balls and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people could have crumbled, you know what I mean? But he took it upon himself to go in and do the work. I think he felt that even when he came in the NBA, he was going to, you know, take over like he did in high school. Again, that's leaning back towards his arrogance and his confidence. And then when he found out it wasn't that easy, you know, he just put his time in and worked so hard on his game. And uh, he put effortless hours, even back then, uh, he was known as, as a really uh, hard worker. I mean, he put a lot of time and effort into his game and improved it. And uh, you could see that he was going to be special. Again, because it takes a certain, like you said, Shaquille O'Neal, L.A., it takes a certain type of play to be able to play with uh, Shaquille O'Neal and in that atmosphere. And uh, Kobe seems like he was the person. If there's anyone that could be able to handle playing Shaquille O'Neal in L.A., it would be him. So then they eventually get Phil Jackson, and Kobe gets into the starting lineup, and then here's where the fun starts, right? They start winning championships. 2000 is when they won their first one against Reggie Miller and the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I, I want to know, when you're watching uh, this series going on in real time, or even when they you know, they, they make the comeback against the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals, are, are you thinking, like, this is the start of a dynasty right here? You know, um, I think it had the, the potential to be, to be one, but... Here's what's what's really uh, surprising too, is that uh, there they had some major egos on that team, and they had to try to somewhat come together uh, to form a, a, a cohesive unit in order to to do what they did. Um, but uh, overall, um, the the thing is, which, which is really amazing, is that you had this big, huge man, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, who was the, uh, you know, uh, showmanship, you know, he had the personality, he had everything. Then you got this young guy who was a loner. Kobe was a, at that time was a loner. So you had two opposites and you could see the beginning that they, that they really, really couldn't gel off the court. And that carried on to on the court, because as I said before, Kobe was a loner. And he was a real serious individual. And Shaquille O'Neal, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was on you know, life of the party. You know what I mean? He had the, he had the personality. And they that conflicted. And plus, Kobe was a hard worker. And Shaquille O'Neal relied so much on his athletic ability that he didn't put the work all the time in. But could I tell that they were going to be a dynasty? I think given the proper uh, surrounding and the proper environment and the pieces that they put together, I, I I wouldn't say a dynasty, but I feel, I thought they could probably at least win a couple of championships. So let's go to 2001, and this was the year that the Sixers met the Lakers. So the Lakers already have one under their belt at this time. Uh-huh. Uh, w- w- during this series, now they dominated. They went 15-1. and one. Uh, At that point in time, that was the best record ever by a team in the postseason. The Golden State Warriors actually in 2017, I believe, kind of matched that. But besides that, those are the only only two teams to ever go 15-1. There's only two teams in the history of this game to ever go 15-1 through uh, the whole bracket. At -hmm. this point, are you saying the Lakers are a dynasty? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now... At that point, yes. Without, Without question. Because you remember, Kobe's still young. Shaquille's in his prime. Uh, they had the good pieces around him. 
Uh, I definitely think that uh, they had the sky's the limit. I think they could have put together three, four, five, even more uh, if they all stood healthy. And uh, oh, absolutely. How? They, they had the great coach. They had the coaching. They had the bench. And then they had the superstars. I think they all, at that time, were starting to gel a little bit better. I definitely think that they could have uh, won a few more championships if uh, they stood together. How shocked were you that AI and the Sixers got game one? Uh, not shocked at all. Because you know something? Uh, they came in as a complete underdogs. And, you know, sometimes people read the headlines and they stop believing them. And, uh, you know, Philadelphia really, all, all they had was what uh, snow and AI for the most part. And uh, snow being the defensive player. And uh, Allen Iverson called upon it to do way more uh, than... Uh, uh, he should have been required to do. Uh, he needed, obviously, a, a lot more support than what he had. But was it a surprise? No, not at all. Not the first game, not at all. Because they were taken lightly. The Lakers took them lightly. So, no, it, it wasn't a surprise at all. And, of course, uh, uh, Philadelphia wanted to come in making sure that, you know, they got their respect. So they came in, I think they came in ready and able to go 100%, whereas I think the Lakers just overlooked them and... Uh, didn't take that game, that first game, very serious. But AI put on the show, and they knew they had to come correct, and they did. So the next year is when they get their third championship. They beat the Nets. Uh, but there's a lot of controversy when they play the Sacramento Kings. And at one point, they were down in the series. It took Robert Ory big shot. It took a lot of stuff. It took a very controversial game seven that I know a lot of Kings fans still talk about with all the free throws that the Lakers got. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, actually, at any point, did you think the Kings were better than the Lakers? Hey, that was a day. Like you said, Harvey, man, if, I mean, he was just at the right place at the right time. You know, you know, sometimes it involves a little bit of luck, you know what I mean? But yeah, he was at the right place at the right time to hit that shot. That's why he's known as Mr. Clutch, you know. Big shot, Bob. Uh, that 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 was a great series. That that was they 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 were very lucky to win that one. That was a tough one. Uh, that was that was that was phenomenal. Uh, I think they 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 got by with the skin of their teeth in that one. I think that that put a, a good awakening to them uh, during that series. But it definitely could have went the other way without question. So then the Lakers go on. They beat the Nets. And at this and at this point too, right? Because uh, would would you say when, when do you actually I ask you this when, when do you think Kobe became a top five player in the NBA? When? Yes. The first championship, two thousand. That's a very good question. I'm gonna probably say uh, the second one. Okay. I think the second one. I would go with the second one. Okay. I think yeah, because now you know what happens. Usually after you win your first one. That's when you start getting more notoriety. Although he was getting some, obviously. But when you get a ring under your belt, and uh, you know y'all, 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 instead of being y'all now becoming the hunted, you know what I mean. So I think that's when people start giving his uh, his due, and I think he became a full fledged top five player right around that time. Okay, and you'd say for the first ring, he was probably top ten to top fifteen. I would put him in the top 10, top 15 range. Oh, yeah, okay. Definitely. 
So for sure, in 2002, when they're going up against the Kings, Kobe's a full-fledged top five player in the league. And at that point, you could argue top three, right? Him, Duncan, and Shaq, right? Yes. Oh well, yeah. Kobe, yeah. Kobe was definitely uh, phenomenal, um, and uh, throughout the laurels of, of, of that, during that time, uh, most of his work ethic. Uh, uh, the man didn't take a break. Uh, the man didn't party. Didn't really do anything. His life was basketball. Uh, the only thing is, at that time, he, he was um, a full-fledged top three player, but he also was a full-fledged loner, even during that time. And, uh, matter of fact, uh, they had a, a little piece on this afternoon where they were talking with Robert Horry, and Robert Horry was talking about how he he, uh, he was <laughs> backing some of the other uh, Laker players because when he played with uh with Kobe, Kobe was not the way he was towards the end of his career. Kobe was a loner. Kobe was strictly uh, business, hardcore, and he really didn't uh, show much uh, of the other side of him. He was strictly basketball player, and that was it. Yeah, well, so, which you could see how you know him and Shaquille O'Neal don't get get along because Kobe's so a matter of fact, and Shaq is so lackadaisical about things. You could see how the, those would uh, become the antithesis of one another. And both of them would be Correct. like, like Shaq's like, just chill, dude. What's wrong with you? Why are you talking to me? And I'm better than you. And then Kobe's like, what is wrong with you? You fat, like, 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 he's like, you know, so to speak, you fat slob. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you working hard? Like, I could see how both of them would kind of, and they're both strong-willed personalities. Both of them would just be turned off to the idea of being around each other after a while. You know, that's kind of, it's kind of, it's very true what you're, what you're saying, but it's kind of similar to the Kyrie LeBron. You get two major egos. They both think they're better than the other. Although we probably all know who, who the better one is. But I mean, in Kyrie's eyes, he thought he was just as good, if not better, and that they would never won that championship without him. But the Kobe um, Shaq thing goes uh, beyond on the court. It goes off the court, too. There were some situations that occurred that kind of put a little damper on, on, on their relationship as, as well. And I think that led to on the court. But as far as, you know, like I said, Kobe, Kobe worked, his work ethic was phenomenal. And Jack, you know, kind of rested on his laurels, just figured he could, you know, go down in the paint and just, you know, strong arm everybody and, and bogart everybody. Uh, and then what was happening is he wanted Kobe and the Lakers to do more of a half-court set so he can get the ball a lot more, where Kobe wanted to run and get on the transition so he could do his thing. And instead of waiting for uh, Jack to get down the court because he was too heavy to keep moving in where he had no fluid in his game at all, and uh, Shaquille said, look, I'm going down the post. I want the ball. I want it here. I want to win. And Kobe said, no. You you work hard, I give you the ball. You don't want to work, I'm not giving it to you. That caused friction. That caused problems. And, you know, the rest is history. Do you and by two thousand two when they beat the Kings right they beat the Nets in in the finals at this point this is kind of the start of them having issues because I don't think they had issues in two thousand when they won their first their second one I don't think they really had any issues two thousand two is when it really started to you know there might have been some uneasiness yeah you yeah. you would say that I think it was underlying I think it got exposed later on okay but there, there were some underlying issues but uh I mean it wasn't as public but there were some underlying issues that didn't come out until later on. So, 
I, I do want to know. Was there any point during this run with Kobe and Shaq, did you ever think Kobe was better than Shaquille O'Neal? Yes. Uh, uh, when they won the last one, I definitely think, and, and for those reasons, uh, Shaq, I mean, he came in the league, you know, he was so dominant, he was so physically gifted. Um, but I think that Kobe... And I think here lies the problem. I think Shaq knew that it was Kobe's time, but he didn't want to relinquish that title yet. So he was, you know, struggling with that. And he was going to have this young guy come in and, and, and take his, what he felt was his his spot. And that's what kind of caused the friction, Dal, to be honest with you. That's, that's where it started from. You know, uh, I'm going to let this young guy come and take what I got. And, and, here lies the problem because when Shaq was at Orlando, he, he, they went far, but they didn't, they didn't get, they didn't get to win at all. And they got this young guy here, you know, helped them win three championships. So going well, we're speaking about after the second one, and uh, three in a row, matter of fact. And uh, you know, he, he's like, I'm not ready to give it up yet. And that's there lies the problem, right there. You think the reason maybe he was more apt to give it up to Dwayne Wade is because maybe Dwayne Wade was more, I don't want to say respectful, but obviously Kobe and Dwayne Wade, they're two different people. Like, Kobe's kind of like, I'm taking this. Maybe Dwayne Wade asked. <laughs> you know, but it was a different time. It was a different time. Also later in his career, about four or five years later in the career, yes. But Shaq was still, you know. Yeah, it was a different time. So, uh, Shaq then realized, hey, look, man, I can't do it alone. I, you know, my ego. You know, and most players, you know, after they play at X amount of years, they start realizing, you know, they can only do so much. And, uh, you know, at that time, uh, Dwayne Wade was, uh, you know, top five, top ten player himself. And I, I don't think that uh, Chuck had any problem uh, giving the reins to Dwayne Wade. But I guarantee you, if it was the same thing, Dwayne Wade playing with Kobe at that Kobe's era and with Chuck, Chuck would do the same thing to anybody. Shaq had too much of an ego back then. So I don't think it, would, it could have been Kobe. It could have been Dwayne. I don't care who it was. It could have been Michael Jordan. I don't care. At that time, Jaquiel O'Neal was so full of himself that uh, he, he, he would be a hot teammate to play with no matter who it was. When we look back at the dynastic Lakers of the early 2000s. Where do they compare in NBA history to dynasties? Like when you think of dynasties uh, of the turn of the century, right? You think of the Heat, if you want to consider the Heat, uh, the Spurs, what they kind of put together, uh, the Warriors, if you want to go back 90s, obviously Jordan's Bulls, Showtime Lakers, Bird Celtics. Uh, obviously there's Bill Russell Celtics in there as well. Where do you put the early 2000 Lakers when we talk about dynasties in this league? Well, I, I mean, of course, you get the the, the famous Celtics, you know, uh, of course. And me being the old historian, you know, I, I got to go back to them, of course. But after that, you know, most teams really didn't. Matter of fact, a lot of teams didn't even repeat <laughs> at that time. You know, I mean, you had you had a few teams that that repeated, but for the most part, it was hard to to, to repeat. But you know, uh, the Spurs were definitely a, a dynasty, uh, obviously. Um, and uh, the Celtics, but see, the Celtics were going head to head with the Lakers uh, to, to to get um, to rain on that parade. And so, I mean, far as dynasties, I think they flip flopped. Uh, those two teams flip flopped, 
Of course, Celtics had a great team in '86, um, and then of course you got to go with the Bulls. Um, so where would I put them? I would put them somewhere in the middle. I would put them somewhere. I would put um, the Bulls, and then I would put San Antonio. I would put the Lakers, and then the two the, the year you're talking about the 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 phase you're talking about, and then probably the Celtics of that era. So now let's go to 2004. Now they bring they lose in 2003. The Spurs won it in 2003. The Lakers they come back. Uh, at this point, Kobe and Shaq are pretty much done. Like this is uh, right. This is this is like the last stretch of a bad marriage at this point. It's like they're only staying together till Jimmy gets 18. That's the only reason they're together. Like it's going south at this point. It's going south at this point. They do not mess. They're sleeping in different rooms. They're not talking to each other. At this point, it's code red. At this point, it's code red. Uh, they bring in Gary Payton or and Carl Malone, and they mm-hmm. make it. Uh, they make it all the way to the NBA Finals. Uh-huh. And actually, they beat the Spurs. Uh, Derek Fisher that year had the, the 0.4 shot. Uh, right. he, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. When we look at that Lakers team, did you think that they could have beat Detroit? Because if they beat Detroit, I think we look at this Lakers dynasty very differently. You're talking about the team they had that, that you just mentioned? Yes, because they went against the the 4 Pistons, Billups, Rip Hamilton, the Wallace yeah. brothers. Uh, well, you got to remember, and I, I think uh, people fail to realize, you got an old and aging, uh, aging Gary Payton. You got a guy who played 17 years and 18 years in Kyle Malone. They went the Gary Payton or the Kyle Malone of old. And then you got them with a new system, a new uh, offense, you know what I mean? And, and I, their, their careers were uh, declining at that time. And uh, it was, I think it was, they were both, you know, if you look at the way Gary Payne played and the way Kyle Malone played, their, their system that they came from was more suited to them. Whereas when they went to the Lakers, they had to more, uh, more or less had to adapt to what they, the Lakers were doing. And I think they had a hard time doing it. So uh, I I think that team, if if they if they got by the uh, they got by Detroit, they probably would have won. But to be honest with you, it's it's fortunate and it's unfortunate because I mean those two guys are great. You know, Gary Payton didn't win one until after the fact, and Kamala never won won one. So I think that was there at that time. That was there. Hope to be able to get on the championship team, uh, but again, that was the, their the careers had dwindled at that time. They were not the same players that they were uh, earlier in their career. But ha- heading into that series in 04, did you think the Lakers would beat the Pistons? No, you did not. Okay, because well, because if you if you just look at it on name value, some people might say, you know, obviously you mentioned Carl Malone, Gary Payton. Obviously, they were older. I don't think Gary Carl uh, Malone played in that series. I think he was hurt, but uh, Gary Payton played. Uh, but you still have Kobe and Shaq. Theoretically, you still have too easily the top five best players in the world, even though they don't hate each other. Uh, arguably still top three, right? Kobe, Shaq, and Duncan, right? Those are the three guys. Yeah. So LeBron haven't even, haven't even come in yet. Uh, think yeah. that, so when you have all this going on, why did you think that this ragtag Detroit Pistons team was going to take out Kobe and Shaq and do something that the Sixers couldn't do, the Pacers couldn't do, the Nets couldn't do, the Kings couldn't do, and the Blazers couldn't do? Because a lot of good teams tried, and they all failed. What made you think that Pistons team would take them out? All right. Now, see, now, uh, 
I well prior to that I was a Pistons Pistons fan, so you know I, I know a lot about the uh, the, the Pistons uh, history and the way they they play the game. Uh, but the I think that the Pistons at that time, I mean they they seemed to to gel together. I mean they had a great backcourt, phenomenal backcourt, and uh, I think that they just seemed to play together more as a team. They had more. Uh, they had more of a, of a, a team concept, and um, I think they did their homework. They knew how to beat uh, the Lakers, and uh, they had the, the, the proper uh, players around them, the, the, the environment, the culture, the way they played the game. And um, if you notice that year, I don't know if you, if you probably remember, the Lakers were not a very good uh, foul shooting team. And I think that the, uh, the Pistons, you know, they knew they had to play uh, damn near perfect in order to get by them, and they had the team that was able to do that. Uh, and then again, you know, uh, Detroit's always been known for their defensive uh, capabilities. And I thought that the games would be close. I didn't think there would ever be a, a blowout. I thought Detroit had the, the better defensive team, and uh, I think that they they felt that they could con- control the game. And as long as they kept the game to a, a lower scoring game, that they had every opportunity to win. When we look back, if Kobe and because obviously you know, I mean, you can make an argument, right? You know, at this point, like I said, the, the, the marriage yeah. is failing at this point. If Kobe and Shaq were good, does that series change? Of course. So, so do you think the Lakers win if Kobe and Shaq are both happy? Yes. You think the Lakers win? Yes. Okay. If Kobe and Shaq, let's say theoretically alternate universe. They stay together. They are both happy. They're able to meld their egos and make it work. How many rings did they win? Because they won three. Okay. The only way I can answer that, honestly, okay. They won three. And they still were not, we are saying in a uh, happy universe. Uh, they would determine how many chances they would win based on the fact how much work they would put into it. We already know Kobe would. Kobe wouldn't settle. I think that, you know, after three, four rings, I think Shaq would settle down and he wouldn't put forth the effort. And I think that, uh, but if, if like I said, in a, in a real world, if, let's put it this way. If Shaq had Kobe's mentality and his work ethic, they could easily took five or six. Without question. But that's a big if. That's a, that's a real big if. You know, uh, if uh, they both had the same work work ethic, I could see five or six. How many you think they could get? I think five or six. I, I mean, I mean, you, you already kind of just said. I mean, they get four if, and they beat the Pistons if they're both right. So that's four. I mean, do they lose the spur? I mean, it, it'd be kind of crazy for me to imagine them get ripping off like six in a row but you know maybe they lose the spurs one year uh shaq won in 06 so maybe they win in 06 right uh if they stay like then you have 05 who won in 05 i believe it was the spurs again so yeah that i'd say five is reasonable i think six would be a little out there but it's possible there's a world where six happens but but i think five is i i think five is a reasonable number yes okay so what we're going to do is we're going to take another break, and then kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to kind of talk about the dark ages of Kobe after Shaq and Phil both leave. Coming up next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. 
Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we are still talking about Kobe Bean Bryant's NBA career. So, let me pose this question to you, Michael, like this. 05, uh, 04 we mentioned previously, uh, before the break, right? They lose the Pistons. Shaq is to Miami. Uh, they get a package back of, like, Ron Butler, Lamar Odom. I think there was a couple picks they got. Uh, Gary Payton, Carl Malone both leave. Phil Jackson retires. Kobe got what he wanted. He is all alone. That year, they miss the playoffs. At this point, how do you think Kobe's legacy and image is hurt? Because it's kind of like, you finally got what you wanted. Phil's out. Shaq's out. And you miss the playoffs in the heart of your prime. Again, uh, as we, we, we spoke about at the beginning of your, your, your show, was that, uh, yes, he got what he wanted. Uh, and he probably thought he could do it on his own. And he wanted to prove that point. And obviously, uh, <laughs> he found out very quick. Because what teams were doing is they were double, triple teaming him. And he really didn't have any help until we got, until we ends up getting you know who. But I mean, so, but prior to that, to that happening, I mean, uh, he suffered. The team didn't play well. I mean, a lot was asked of him. And uh, I think for the first time, I mean, he had his issues with, with, with Shaq and, and a few other players. But at this particular time that you're referring to, I think, again, he's still being a loner. Kobe's still in his own world. And I think that um, he felt his world was falling apart at that time. And then we all know about some of the things that happened off the court also as well. So he was dealing with a lot of issues at that time. And... Uh, it was a real, real, real tough way to go. I mean, I mean, he wanted out. Uh, I, I, I distinctly remember him going to the park a lot, um, demanding uh, a trade, uh, demanding to get out. You know, and one minute he's saying he always wanted to be a Laker, and then the next minute he wants out. So there was, a, it was a lot of stressful times. And how would that affect his, his legacy? I mean, they, they would have called him like a baby or minor, uh, you know, because he, you know, he wanted to get his way. And then when he, when he finally got his way. Uh, things didn't work out the way that he wanted to at that time. So he, he, I think he learned a valuable lesson. Yeah, no, I would agree too. So from this span, from 05 to 07, he he dropped 81. There was the 81-point game against Toronto, uh, 35, 31 points uh, respectively in 06 and 07. Uh, they lost in the first round both years. One year they almost beat the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Kobe was looked at, I think, as a talent that maybe couldn't win without Shaq. Because also during this stretch, Shaq had won a ring with Dwayne Wade. So Shaq is now up in the ring count. Obviously, right. there's the personal issues that you mentioned, right? The whole Colorado thing. Uh, there's also, we're looking at Kobe. People are saying he's a bad teammate, right? There's the whole Smush Parker, Kwame Brown stuff. Do people like Kobe? Uh, very controversial figure at this time. And also LeBron comes and LeBron's like this new toy that everybody loves. So at this point, I just want to ask you for this stretch. Was Kobe ever the best player in the NBA through this stretch? From 05 to 07, was he ever the best player in the NBA? Well, that's a, you're asking some real tough questions. I think there was a time when I thought that he was definitely the best player in the league. And he, and he, he was proving it uh, time and time again, you know, uh, but at, at that, at that, also at a specific time, I think he was the best player, but he wasn't the best team player. So there's a difference. 
he was probably the best individual player uh, in the league. But uh, as far as team player, which you know combines everything, uh, I don't think he, he uh, was actually the best player in the league as far as t- the team concept. But individually, I mean, his talent was unbelievable. We all know what he did. The, you know, the 81 points, like you said, against uh, Toronto. Uh, Jalen Rose still talks about that to this day. But, um, you know, uh, at, at one point, yes, I, I did think that he was the best. During the, So during that stretch, there was times where you thought, like, he's the best player. Because I think at this time, would, would you have said probably in terms of team, when you take into account team and winning, we'd probably say Tim Duncan then. Or maybe some people might have said LeBron at that point, because in 07, LeBron took the Cavs to the finals. But would, would you have said through that stretch, Tim Duncan was probably? Tim Duncan, again, Tim Duncan was more of a team player. Individually, his numbers were great too. But uh, Tim Duncan more was more of like, again, I, I consider, um, let's put it this way. At that time that you're referring to, I would say Kobe Bryant. That time I would say, Tim Duncan and the San Antonio Spurs, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yes. It's all about Kobe, whereas Tim Duncan had a system that he played in, and it made for them, in order to, for them to win, they all had to, some had to be great in their spots. So the team concept is what got San Antonio and coaching as well. So to answer your question, um, I still think Kobe was the best player. Uh, but Duncan was the best team player, and obviously it showed. And, and also through this stretch, he's averaging, obviously, right, we talk about what Harden's doing right now. Kobe was doing this, right, 30, 35 points per game, particularly at that point in time, when the three-point mm-hmm. shot is not what it was, the pace was not what it was. Right. Like the spread, mm-hmm. prick, and roll, where you have all the space and movement, like, and Kobe was averaging 35. And also, like, mm-hmm. Kobe didn't have anybody, like, Kobe was getting double and triple team. So I do want to ask you this. At this point, I think this is probably... Kobe's peak as a basketball player, as a talent, this is probably his peak. I, I think there are other times where he learned the intangibles, but I think this is his peak physically, athletically, as a pure talent through that stretch. Would you agree? Yes. That, that was and if pr- also, if you don't mind me interrupting you for a minute, look at how many game-winning shots he had. If you look, he hit some incredible game-winning shots. He missed but he he had the he had the nerve to take them shots, and he wanted the ball at the end of the game. Some people didn't. LeBron at that time, as you know, he was willing to more to, to distribute and 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 try to make the what they said was the correct pass, where Kobe took it upon himself to take that shot, and uh, he thrived off of it. And then if he missed it, come back the same time again, he would take that shot, and he made so many game winning. Shots and not only game winning shots, Dow, but game not necessarily winning, but big shots that led up to the game winning shots. So you got to take that into account too. So I, uh, Kobe was just phenomenal. So at, um, at this point in time, as we mentioned, that's his apex, probably physically and athletically as a basketball yeah. player through that that 05 to 07 range. When he's uh-huh. doing all this, are, are, are you like, as you're watching this as a talent, right? Because at this time, you're probably like, he's probably the best talent in the NBA. In terms, especially offensively, when he's dropping, like, he, he scored, like, I think it might have been against the Mavericks. He scored 16 three quarters and was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll get it next time. I'm done. <laughs> and then he dropped 81, I guess, like a week later against the Raptors. Like, this is the type of stuff he was doing. Do you yeah. think, where would you rank that Kobe all-time in terms of perimeter players offensively? 
like like those years. Like well, we we kind of see what James Harden's doing now. So maybe I guess in terms of people watching the game currently, James Harden's probably the best comparison. But because James Harden's probably the best scorer right now, or maybe uh, Kevin Durant. How does he compare to those guys, or even like? you know, the Jordans, uh, the Birds, you know, guys like that that were scorers. So, like, where do you think that Kobe ranks as a perimeter score in terms of when we look at the perimeter scorers of this game? Whew. You did your homework, Daryl. <laughs> uh, where, does, where does he rank? Oh, okay, well. Hmm. I, I, I mean, obviously, you got to go Michael uh, one. Uh, right, right during that era, that was kind of towards Bird's uh, descending at that time. He wasn't at the apex of his game at that time. So I'm gonna go, uh, Michael. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put Kobe second. Okay. I'm gonna put Kobe second. I just think uh, the body work. I think the fact that you know uh, the consistency and the longevity, all those factors, uh, if you put into all those factors and think of all the stuff that he, he's done throughout the course of his career, and again, I, the, the, the thing that's really key with me, Darrell, is the fact of the longevity and the consistency. And Kobe has been very consistent throughout his career, and he didn't get hurt very much until the end of his career. He really didn't have suffered that many injuries. So he played through all that, did all he did, and uh, again, he had a, a very consistent career, and uh, the longevity part plays a, a major role in my thinking, anyway. Uh, that he's right up there with Michael Jordan. Was Kyle? What is the separation? Because you didn't mention Harden. I think this would be interesting because a lot of people watch Harden now. How much better was Kobe offensively than James Harden? Kobe um, didn't take a lot of three-pointers back then, whereas Harden made his career off of three-pointers. He still does, matter of fact. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's phenomenal at, at drawing fouls, uh, setting up a three-point shot, uh, hitting the three-point shot. Harden's also a very good foul shooter. Uh, Kobe, more or less, is more of a penetrator. Uh, uh, you know, he's more of the mid, has more of a the mid-range game. Uh, I think... Uh, Kobe could not shoot as good as Harden, and but at the end of the day, here's the difference. What's Harden's knock? That he's not good in clutch. That he's not good in the big games. Kobe was better than Kobe during the big games. Well, I meant Kobe was great anyway, but when it came down to clutch, Kobe was better than Kobe. If, they, if you know what I'm trying to say, he had, he had a phenomenal career. But when it when it came down to the end of the game, Kobe really shined. He shined throughout his career. But as far as I'll put it this way, end of the game, five seconds left to go in the game. Who you want to take this shot? You want Kobe or you want Harden? I'm taking Kobe, no doubt. And I would, I would agree with that. So let's go to this. So 08. They make the trade for Pal Gasol. First of all, are you like, okay, the Lakers are back. You mix Pal Gasol with Kobe Bryant. Are you thinking they're going to the finals? Yes. 
Because I tell you what, because I know you've done your homework. When when um, Paul Gasol was with Memphis, uh, if you look at, he was averaging 25, 30 points a game. He was unstoppable. He he was he was phenomenal. And and the thing too, it, it, which people probably don't really know too much about, was that again Kobe at this point is still a loner. Is still not getting along with people, uh, his teammates. He was, you know, more off to the side. By bringing Paul Gasol in, there was something about them two that clicked. You know, first of all, Gasol speaking Spanish, uh, Kobe, you know, fluent in three different languages. I think he could more relate to Paul Gasol and would bring the best out of Paul Gasol. And I, I think that Paul Gasol felt he could bring the best out of Kobe. So did I think? I definitely think I thought that was a steal. I thought the Lakers got a steal out of that one because if you look at his numbers at that time, Gasol was dangerous. His team was terrible, but he put up phenomenal numbers. I thought that he would definitely be able to help because now, like I said, this time Kobe was being double and triple teamed. He had that threat. Paul Gasol gave him gave uh, the threat, so they couldn't necessarily always double and triple team Kobe, and that left. Gasol open for a lot of jump shots, and that spread the floor a little bit more open. And Kobe was able to do his thing even more so. So I thought that was a, a that that was a that was a gift. That that was a gift, man. That that was that was something that Kobe obviously wanted, and that's something that Paul Gasol wanted. And, and look what happened. Yeah, and it's really interesting. So that stretch from 08 to 2010, they went to three straight finals. And they won two straight. And it's really interesting because this team is really interesting because they came at the right time because a team like that Lakers team with Kobe, Derek Fisher, uh, Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, and Lamar Odom, that team would not exist in the NBA today. Like, nobody's building a team like that. Right. (laughs) Like, you have three seven-footers in Lamar Odom, Andrew Bynum, Pau Gasol, who all play in the post. Let's do that. We're going to have Kobe, our best player, who's a mid-range jump shooter. And we're going to have Derek (laughs) Fisher. Derek Fisher, like you just wouldn't, and and we're going to run the triangle. Like that team does not exist in the NBA today. And 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 now picture this: if Andrew Bynum had got his act together and had and you know gotten better physical shape and and wasn't such a if you if you pardon my French a knucklehead, look how good that team could have been. Because his first two years he was phenomenal. Andrew Bynum, he he fit right in. He was great. The first time, then he went to his bag of tricks. But prior to that, he was he was that team was tough. I'm telling you, that team was it was good to watch. And they had the experience, they had the youth. I mean, that that team was tough. That team was tough. So they lose to the Celtics in 08. Obviously, Pierce, Garnett, Ray Allen, Rondo, Perkins, Doc Rivers. Did you did you think the Celtics were going to beat them going to that series in 08? Uh no. Oh, you thought the. You thought the Lakers were going to win? Yes, I oh. did. I, I thought the I thought the Lakers were definitely going to win. Um, and then, if I'm correct, didn't know the then the one of the games it was a complete blowout and it was a big comeback. One of them games. Yes, yes, through. yes. I think that might have been the Paul Pierce wheelchair game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we won't talk about that. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, do, yeah, yeah, I definitely thought the Lakers would win. But, you know, the Celtics played with a lot of heart. Uh, and then, you know, 
they had that man in the middle, Garnett, man. He 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 made that team a believer, man. They believed. He made that team a believer. That he made them. He gave them what they. He gave them heart and soul. He gave them a lot of a lot of feeling that they they could definitely do some work on on the Lakers or anybody. You know that that's the type of player Garnett was. He not only made himself better, but he made those around him feel like they could win. And that was a big factor. Yeah, and, and I think that year too, the Celtics, even though they were really good in the regular season, they went seven games with the Hawks, who weren't very good. They went seven games with the Cavs and LeBron and them. And then the Lakers, yeah. I believe, they walked through the West. Like I remember the conference finals. Like, didn't they beat the Spurs like four one? Like they walked through the Spurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Spurs that in oh seven, right? Because it's oh eight this year. In oh seven, they went to the finals. So you walked through the defending champions, <laughs> and, and they just make quick work. Right. So, so for Boston to do that, I think that was kind of special, and that kind of showed what that Boston team represented. So we go to 09. Uh, obviously, Boston's laying in the weeds. At this time, the Kobe-LeBron phenomenon is starting to hit a fever pitch, right? You have the Muppet commercials on ESPN. It's like, who's the best player in the NBA? Is it Kobe or is it LeBron? So I want to know during this time, did you ever think, did you think that was an argument? Because it was a huge argument with a lot of people I was around. Now, I was only like in fifth and fourth grade when this was going on. But for you and the people, for you and the people you were around, was the Kobe and LeBron thing a huge deal? Like, was it an argument? Like, were there people that were like, LeBron's bad? And it was like, it was Kobe. Because those are the top two players clearly in the NBA at this time. Uh, To be totally honest with you, Daryl, No. Uh, it was Kobe all the way. At that time, absolutely. Again, and as I stated before, you know, LeBron was coming into his own. Kobe, Kobe's already there. Kobe's already been there. Um, now, we couldn't see what the future was going to hold, but at that um, specific time, I really don't think, uh, to be honest with that, there was much controversy. I think that most people... I would say that Kobe was definitely uh, the better of the two at that time, uh, but that they knew that LeBron is is on his way up. Well, LeBron's on his way up, but he did not take the throne from Kobe at that time. Because at this time, I do want to say this in LeBron's favor. This time, he had already been to a finals. That uh, they he won an MVP that year in two thousand nine. The Cavs had the best record in the NBA. But but you still thought clearly Kobe was better. Yes. Okay. Yes. So during that year, also the Celtics, uh, KG got her, and that kind of took the Celtics out of it. The Magic come out, and the Lakers uh, make quick work of the Magic. They beat them in five games. But going into the semis, I do want to go this with the Cavs and the Magic. How disappointing do you think it is that the Magic beat the Cavs, and we could have never seen that Cavaliers versus Lakers NBA Finals? Because that would have been ratings galore. That, I, obviously, she just hit the nail on the head. Right now, that you know, I'm sure the uh, uh, the the NBA guards were were very upset with that because it, it would have been a, a great telltale uh, finals. That's what you want. It's been a Cinderella finals. It's been a great thing to to observe. Um, I, I was kind of surprised that it, that it happened, but um, I I know that the, the rings would have been through the roof, um, but. Uh, <laughs> it happened the way it happened. There's not much you can do about it. But uh, yeah, it would have been a, it would have been a great uh, series without question. If the Cavs get there, do the Cavs give the Lakers a better fight than the Magic did? Of course, of course. Okay, so well, you okay? How, how many games do you think it goes? Because they beat the Magic in five. I 
would say, mm-hmm. I would say six. Okay, six. So let's go to 2010. They finish the back to back, and this is for me is when I really started getting into basketball. Uh, so this is really. <laughs> yeah, so I was like in sixth grade when this happened. Uh, it's crazy that I remember this. So, the Celtics are back. Uh, LeBron Kobe does not happen again. The Celtics are back. I, I do want to know what you thought going into this finals, right? You have the rematch from the 08 series. Did you think this, this, this was a different Lakers team, that they were up to the challenge this time? Because Boston had walked through everybody. Um, you know, I think they were up to the challenge because, you know, I, I, you know, when you have the Lakers going against the Celtics, you, it's rivalry. It's a rivalry, man, which the NBA have, no longer exists uh, anymore in today's NBA. But you have the rivalries, and, and they, they, they mean a whole lot more. So to answer your question, oh, I, I definitely think they believe that they were up for this challenge. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, they had, I'm, I'm pretty sure the whole city of L.A. thought the same thing as well. And I think and a lot of the NBA felt the same way as well. No, I, I would definitely agree with you there. So, game seven. Lakers versus Celtics. And this was a, and if people remember, this was an ugly game seven. My God, Kobe went like four of 20. Gasol went like six of, six of 19. Uh, they both dominated the rebounds. Perkins was out that game because he got hurt in game six. This was a very tight, close game seven. Who did you have winning it? You know, and, and here it goes down in the laws of the NBA. You know, what if, what if, uh, while here in Massachusetts, they said, well, Perkins didn't get hurt. You know what would have happened, um, and do I believe that same thing? I think, I think that uh, they their chances would have been a lot better if Perk didn't get hurt. I mean, he was playing uh, at an all time high for him. I think that uh, uh, by him getting hurt, uh, definitely uh, gave the advantage to the Lakers. Um, but it, it was it was it was interesting because they you know. It, People were giving, you know, the the, the excuse that if Perk was healthy, that it would have been, it would have definitely turned things around. I I think it would have definitely made it even more interesting. But if you had to push me to a corner, I think the Lakers still would have won. At this point, Kobe now gets his fifth ring. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and then kind of next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk about. The post-championship life of Kobe Bryant, because obviously they won in 2010, and that was Kobe's last ring. Coming up next up, the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk as we're capping off this conversation about Kobe Bryant. So, 2011, 
They're going for their third straight championship. The Heatles, former Miami, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, still the Celtics who were in the finals in 2010, right, with Paul Pierce, Rondo, Kendrick Perkins, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, all those guys. Uh, did you think the Lakers would three-peat and finish it off and Kobe would get six? Well, what did you think would happen that year? I'll tell you what. My, my anticipation was that they would. I, 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 I was definitely pulling for them to do it. Um, I thought I thought they had a great opportunity to. Um, but to answer your question, I, I definitely I had anticipation that, and I was anticipating that they would. You know what I mean? Again, uh, at that specific time, Kobe was like Kobe was like a god, and, and uh, I think that um, a, a lot of people in, around the country wanted uh, them to get get the uh, the championship, and uh, I, I'm definitely was I was definitely one of them. So, what was your reaction when Dallas swept them? Dallas brought out the brooms. Yes, I do remember that. Um, but you know something too? Sometimes, if you look back, teams have to go through the growing pains in order to win. If you look back, you know, I don't want to go into, into detail, but the Pistons had to go through it. The Bulls had to go through it. The Celtics had to go through it. Golden State's the only team, one of the very few teams that really didn't have to go through it. You know, in most recent memory. So, uh, yeah, bringing the brooms, that was uh, very embarrassing. Um, that was definitely not a good time. I didn't expect that at all. I really didn't. I truly didn't expect that at all. That was kind of shocking, to be honest with you. Yeah, so at this point, right, Dirk Nowinski, they win the championship. They sweep the Lakers, which I think shocked everybody. Uh, LeBron James is starting to come more and more into his own. Where did you have Kobe? And Derrick Rose won MVP that year. Did you still think Kobe was the best player in the NBA in 2011? I think he was about to start going in his downward spiral. I think he was, you know, he had played a lot of years up to that point. And I, I still think he was a top level player. But I think that he was uh, on his way down. Do I think he was the best at that time? I would probably say not, but uh, I think he still was a you know top five, top ten player. Who do you think was the best player in the NBA in twenty eleven? Judge, just curious. I would think it's Dwayne Wade personally at that point. I thought Dwayne Wade was the best player in the NBA that year, but that's just me. That, that, that's well, no, no, it's not. Hey, that's hey, that's not. You know, uh, that's not that's not a bad bad choice. Uh, he. he uh, he he carried uh, Miami for a long time, so I mean that I I could go with that. I, I could definitely go with that, but I, yeah, I definitely think Kobe was not not at the top. I don't think so. So then you have 2012 and 2013. Both those years in 2012, they lose to Oklahoma City, right? They lose to Oklahoma City in five games. Uh, the Thunder make it to the finals that year. Then in 2013, what they do is they make this big move. They get Steve Nash, Pau Gasol. I mean, Pau Gasol's already there. They trade for Dwight Howard. They form this super team. Uh, the Spurs are still really good in the West. The Thunder are coming into their own. So during this time, did you think that this nucleus of Dwight Howard, Pau Gasol, Kobe Bryant, and Steve Nash could win a championship? I thought that they had the possibility. Uh, but again... Uh, again, it goes down to team. You got sometimes you bring players in, you know, that are used to their own system. You bring them into a whole new system. It takes time. It takes it takes continuity. It takes you know cohesiveness. 
It takes a team unit. It's it's a lot harder than people think. They think you're just going to bring a name in, and they the game that they had from another team is going to you know transfer or translate to where they're going. And sometimes it's very very difficult because now you got you're playing with a guy who 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 uh, must handle the ball a lot, and Steve Nash, uh, who uh, you know used to play a certain way, uh, more fast paced type game. And then you got different players who probably didn't gel the way that they should have. And then, of course, uh, Nash got hurt, if I'm correct. Um, I think he got hurt um, right around that time also. So he really didn't uh, uh, pay dividends for when he ended up going with the Lakers at all. So And they paid him all that money. Um, and, so, and, again, he was going towards the end of his career. See, a lot of people don't re- realize that a lot of the guys that went to the Lakers, you know, they were going on the – down with of their career like Kyle Malone and Gary Payne. All these guys were going downhill, and um, and and you know, team uh, people thought that they would automatically win by putting those guys on that team. So you know, I, the, the team y'all referring to putting Nash and and the other guys doesn't necessarily mean that that, that that's going to be a championship team. Uh, because again, you have to gel. You have to you know get along with each other. It's a lot harder than people think, man. It's not that easy. Yeah, the Lakers ended up, they ended up struggling at some one point, I think, maybe near the All-Star break. They were out the playoffs. Kobe willed them into the seventh seed. And I think there's the night Kobe's NBA career kind of ends and he stops becoming a top-level player. He tears his Achilles, and I think this was against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I remember that Still game. shot two, three pro, uh, two free throws, though, and finished it off, which is amazing. Yeah. And, and it's tough to shoot with, with the, the torn Achilles. But at this point, did you think Kobe was done being an elite player? Because you're like... You, you, you can't after a torn Achilles comeback because we had because I know we saw Kevin Durant, but this is later. We had not seen a Kevin Durant come back, and the only guy that I think before that that has come back from a torn Achilles and been an All Star was uh, Dominique Wilkins, I think, at that point. And the point from 2013 when this happened to Dominique Wilkins was like 25 years. So did you think Kobe could come back and be Kobe again, or did you think it was probably done? <laughs> I remember specifically about Dominique Wilkins because uh, he played with the Celtics and then he went to San Antonio, but um. As far as Kobe, again, as, as we spoke at the beginning of the show, his work ethic, and uh, anybody knows anything about Kobe, he's not going to go out like that. There's no way Kobe Bryant's going to go out like that. So uh, I truly believe that he would come back. He would work hard, harder than he's ever worked in his life. Um, he just is not that type of person to just give up and, and, and retire. I, I knew he was going to put in the work. I knew he was going to put in the time. I knew he was going to put in the effort. Uh, did I think he would be the old Kobe? Because if you remember, right prior to him getting hurt, he was playing very well. He was playing at a high clip. He was playing at a high rate. And then he, because I, I remember watching, the, I remember the play exactly. He was going to his left, and he there was no contact, and he just went down. I, I remember the play vividly. Um, he was playing very well. And and I, that's right. I mean, I was watching every game that I could possibly watch uh, of the Lakers because I, I I really liked the way that they were playing at the time. I really liked the way Kobe was playing. Um, but to answer your question, I knew he was going to come back because he wasn't going to leave the game. He was going to leave the game on his word, not on somebody else's. Or you know, he was going to do it his way. And uh, I knew he was going to put the put work, put the work in, and he did. Definitely. 
Now, after this, uh, it takes a turn for the worse with the Lakers. Uh, Kobe's really never the same. He does in 2016, his last year in the NBA. He scores 60. I think he took 50 shots against the Utah Jazz. How shocked is it that around 37, 38 years old, he's no longer really a good NBA player. At this point, Kobe's not a good NBA player anymore. That he's able to drug, drug up the will to drop 60. You know, I like to... Because to, to, um, there's nothing he did that whole season that would make you think he could drop 60 in a game. Nothing. <laughs> I didn't think he would get that. But, you know, some some people, man, you know, like like a Muhammad Ali or, I, I don't know, uh, make another analogy. Um, they will themselves because they know it's their final game or the final opportunity that they will themselves. I didn't think he was going to get 60. Matter of fact, that, that's the game you're referring to. If I recall, he had a very bad first half. I think he shot pretty bad that first half. But I think, again, knowing the uh, Mamba theory that he was going to go, again, as I said, on his own accord. And he's going to, he knew it was his last time, and he was going to give it his all. I didn't think he was going to get 60. I really didn't think he was going to get that. But I, I expect him to play well. Because uh, it was his last hurrah. I expected him to put on a show, but I didn't expect him to get 60. But he did, and he did it in front of a, you know, he did it in front of the world. The world got to see him uh, go out on a great note, on his note. And uh, that, that's what you want as a player. You want to go on your own terms, and you want to go out and win it. They won that game, and uh, he did it on his own terms. So, lastly, I want to ask you this about Kobe. Obviously, he passed away last year. What are you going to remember most about Kobe? I remember a couple things. I remember, as a matter of fact, I was thinking about this today, Daryl. You know, I was thinking about when he came into the league and how, again, I keep using that word, and it, it means a lot when I tell you, when I'm, when I'm ending my, my little um, he came in uh, very arrogant, uh, cocky, uh, a loner, and you see his growth as as a player, uh, as a person, uh, the things he did off the court as an entrepreneur, the things he did with his family, the things he did for the WNBA, uh, the things he did to help other players. The things he did to to uh, enter the business world, uh, his uh, basketball academy, all the things that he's oh, and, and, and again, I remember I kept saying he's a loner. It, he really, Kobe to me really didn't enjoy himself. Fifteen years, he really did not enjoy himself, and he put on a facade. He didn't want anyone to to, to enter his. His, his his heart and his soul but the last five four or five years of his career you got to see the Kobe that we all wanted to see you want to see the personality the smiling you know loving life living life you know what I mean after his retirement look at the things he did you know he was out there doing things that he wouldn't and he never used to give interviews he never used to do a lot of things things he did after his career he, he got to be happy within himself you know what I mean? He was really, because he done, he completed everything he set out to do. He did everything he could as a ball player. He just wanted to become a better person, a better father, uh, you know, be a better family person. And 
You could see he was happy. He loves God down. When he played in the NBA for the first 15 years, Dell, he did not let his God down. If you see the last four or five years, he let his God, his God down, end up becoming more happy individual. He's very happy within himself, within his family, within his life. And he was able to, to, to go and and show others and, and do things for others. And we got to see a different side of Kobe. So to answer your question, my my memories are how he started off as a young kid and became a man and the journey that it took from becoming a from being a young kid to becoming a man and that journey and how it ended. And um, now I don't mean the passing away, but I'm talking about as far as how he ended up becoming happy within himself and he had nothing to prove and he could just be Kobe. And that's that's true. And one more thing I will say, I, you know, I looked up the, the word Kobe and, and, and what, what, what its origin and um, uh, this is what it came up to. Kobe said to take the place of and serve as a substitute for, especially by reason of superior excellence of power. That is uh, the Italian, or excuse me, the German uh, derivative of that word. Uh, there's an African word also of Kobe, and I'm going to be short and brief because I know you got to go. And basically what it comes down to is one of a kind. So to answer your question, that's what I feel about Kobe. Michael, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Dale, you're going to go far in this world, man. Congratulations. Thank you for having me. And once again, I want to thank Michael Concesio for coming on the podcast. His first ever time coming on the shop, Barbershop Sports Talk. I uh, appreciate Michael coming on and uh, telling those stories and talking about Kobe with me. Uh, Truly a great, a goat, a legend of this game. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 254th episode of Vibrant Shop Sports Talk.